Welcome to Formative, the show where today's leaders are interviewed by the leaders of tomorrow. It's our season two finale, and with us we have NFL's Jamil McLean. He's a retired football player who's now the director of player engagement for the Baltimore Ravens, as well as a multifaceted entrepreneur and philanthropist. We're so excited to have him on today's show. I'm Rachel Gazdick, CEO of New York Edge, and my co-host today is Jonathan from PS123. Hey, Jonathan, welcome today. I'm so excited to be co-hosting. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? My name is Jonathan Arzu. I'm in eighth grade at PS123. Hey, so Jonathan, we have a very exciting guest today. Can you tell me a little bit why you're excited to interview today's guest? I'm excited because I'm, I'm a big fan of football, and I'm glad that I have the opportunity to meet with you and ask you a couple questions. Jonathan, I'm excited because I'm a big fan of yours, and I'm also a big fan of today's guest, Jamil McLean, who actually used to be one of my students at Syracuse University years ago, and now he's a father, so I'm excited for him to be guiding his own son on the next generation. But the tagline I used to use in my class, Jonathan, was the NFL stood for not for long. But I'm glad to hear that Jamil's back and working with the NFL, and he's been a business owner, a philanthropist. So I think there's a lot of things you're going to learn about his story. So I'm going to turn it over to you so we can dig into your questions. All right. So my first question is, where do you grow up? Where did I grow up? Man, that's a great question, Jonathan. So I grew up in Philadelphia, North Philadelphia, to be exact. Just to add a little bit of context, my name is Jamil McClain. Played with the Baltimore Ravens from about 08 until until 14. And then I went to the New York Giants for two more years of that. Had the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. But talking about my youth growing up, growing up in the inner cities of Philadelphia and North Philly, my father being incarcerated the majority of my life. By the time he got out, I was about 18, 19, and then he found his way back in. So we really never had a conversation longer than 35 minutes in my life. But my mother was in my life. But a person that was really instrumental to me was my uncle, you know, my uncle Greg, who married my aunt Glory, who was blood. And it actually showed me about the importance of hard work and what staying on the right track would do. And I always found this so funny. So I think I was blessed I was blessed by God by being talented at a lot of things that I touch, you know, whether it was music, I I had a musical scholarship from playing the cello, saxophone, being in theater. I was a a world-class boxer. You know, I was supposed to go professional in boxing. I was a really great basketball player. Football was actually the last sport that I ever paid attention to. But my uncle actually had this summer job with social security. And that summer job, my brothers and sisters, they got this job. And I think it's important Because my brother got this job and at that time in about, it was probably about 2000 or like 98, 99. And at this job, they was making about $500 every two weeks, which was a lot of money, you know, especially for a kid. And my uncle was like, the only way you can get this job is if you stay out of trouble completely. No trouble at all. Not one incident. And with that being said, I went throughout that whole time and wanted to get that job by, by me not getting in trouble to actually made my athletic and academic career so much better just by focusing on that one goal. So I say one step and it helped move me in that right direction. So I hope that gave a little bit. So I see you had an interest in boxing at a young age. What led you into boxing? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Boxing in Philadelphia, boxing is like water, you know, so it was kind of like something that everybody did. It was one thing that I really found that I enjoyed, and it's still actually my favorite sport. 
I grew up around a lot of successful boxers. I mean, two people that were basically one block up from me went to the Olympics. One person was the most famous trainer in the world, most famous boxing trainer in Philadelphia. And I was actually really close friends with Joe Frazier, who actually gave me my first boxing trunks, you know. So I think boxing was something that I was destined to do. Do you often wonder what life will have been like if you would have done boxing professionally? You know what? I do wonder, but I'm a strong believer in making decisions. And it's crazy, Jonathan, because when I was your age, I had to make tough decisions, you know, decisions that kids normally don't have to make. So I had to decide whether I would box or whether I would pursue football. And the reason why I chose football was because I would be able to go to school. I'll be able to further my education and it would give me a chance to see a world outside of Philadelphia, because at that point, I have only been in Philadelphia. I've never seen what any other place in the world looked like. I never even knew what New York was. I couldn't have pointed it out on the map, you know. So to go and play football, I think, and to get a degree from Syracuse University, I think I made the right choice. Was there any time that you second-guessed yourself about playing football professionally? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't. I, I never dreamed of playing football professionally, honestly. Like I, I went to Syracuse and I wanted to get a degree and I just wanted to beat the person in front of me. And I think the stars really just pointed me in that direction with that mindset. So I don't think there was any time that I doubted myself playing football professionally. There have been times that I've had doubt. I think everybody has doubt at certain times. Everybody says, can I do it? Can I push a little bit harder? I think I've had those times a lot, but I always been able to reflect on the idea that I'm self-made. I made myself. If it's got to be done, I'm be the one that I could count on in the fourth quarter. When entering college, what do you major in? I majored in communications, communications and rhetorical studies with a minor in sociology. I was always great at speaking. I was always great at being in front of the camera. It just flows. It flows naturally. I've always tried to put myself around people. And I know that the world is about interaction, regardless of how much the world pushes us apart with COVID or monkeypox or whatever it is, we all know that we need to communicate with someone to help someone get through something or to help accomplish something together. So communications is, to me, it's a passion because I think that it's the way that the world works. We need each other. Was it hard balancing being in college, athletic, and keeping up with your classes? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was hard. You know, it was a challenging thing, but I think it comes with it. I'm not one of those people that think that you get anything in life without hard work. You know, and balancing academics while trying to stay on top of your game with sports is going to be a challenge, but it's a challenge that's worth it at the end for everyone, one way or the other. All right. I noticed that you play for a few teams in the NFL. Do you feel like you learned something different from each team about how to become a better player? Oh, man, that is a great question. Yeah, absolutely, man. From the teams to the coaches to the players that were around to the cities, I've learned so much how to be a better player, but I think more so I've learned how to be a better man from everyone because everybody has different approaches, you know, and, and I've always been a person that tried my hardest to be a sponge and absorb people and take the best out of them but still also paying attention to some of the things that they do bad so I don't fall into those traps. But it's an honor to, to have an opportunity to be on two organizations so distinguished as the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Giants. So, you know, how could I not learn from them? Which team was your favorite? Oh, which team was my favorite? I mean, I bleed purple. You know, this is, this, this, you know, I'm not going to be, but yeah, I'm a little biased. I still work here. What am I supposed to do? Come on, Jonathan, don't make it hard for me.
Jamil, why don't you tell us what it was like to win a, a Super Bowl? Yeah. At the point that I won the Super Bowl, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Like, it was the best experience that I've ever felt. And the, uh, the irony of it, I wasn't even able to play in the game because I got injured. But it still was such an amazing feeling of being able to accomplish something that you work your entire life for, you know, but that experience, I pushed that, I pushed that behind two more important, significant parts of my life. One where I got married to my beautiful wife, Keisha McClain. And then the most recent powerful moment I've had of witnessing my son come from something that me and my wife created, seeing him. I don't think I've ever cried more in that moment than I did during the Super Bowl. How did you deal with your injury? I'm going to try to make this one a little bit fast because it's a moment in my life that helped me get through every tough moment. But to give you a little bit of context on an injury. So I suffered a injury probably week 15 into our Super Bowl year, 15, 14 in our Super Bowl year, a spinal cord contusion in which I was paralyzed for about one minute. You know, and that recovery time took me about 11 months to come back from. And within that 11 month span, I had. 12 doctors tell me I could never play football again. And one doctor say yes. And that one doctor that said yes, he's a blessing from God. He's the reason why I was able to play again. You know, but I say that to say it don't matter how many no's you get. You only need one yes to get an opportunity. So that was another lesson in life. Right. So I came back, worked hard throughout this entire time. And then I ended up playing through the rest of the season. And then the next half of my career within about four days, but how was it? It was tough. It was dark. You know, it was, it was lonely. It was, it was all of those things. It was, uh, as I was walking around in the facility, I would see people smile at me and they'd be like, there's no way he's coming back. And then me, I, I still had to continue to work. So we train in the dome sometimes, every time in the dome, I would train in that dome in the dark. And it was always just a metaphor for me that I am in the dark. And then I will see the light when I get back to the field. And the GM would always cross me every day, a legendary GM by the name of Ozzie Newsom. And Ozzie Newsom would say, I see you, Jamil. Keep going. Because that was all he could say to me. But it was a tough and difficult time. But how did I get through it? And how hard was it? I learned something when I was young and I was living in South Philadelphia for probably about a year. I didn't have a pair of good sneakers. Like I didn't have any pair of good sneakers. And we know in the inner city, they throw sneakers up on the wire, right? So they throw sneakers up on the wire. And when you see those sneakers up on the wire, but I really didn't have a good pair. And it was a pair of Reebok classics on the wire. And I was like, okay, so what did I do? I didn't have a good pair of sneakers. Those sneakers look like they were my size, right? Black Reebok classics. I climb up there. I climb up the ladder. I climb all the way up that light pole. I get the sneakers down. I clean them up and I use them. And at that point in my life, I learned the most important thing. If you want anything in a life, you got to climb to get it. And one man's trash is another man's treasure. So my darkest moment in life, I could always go back to that moment where I had to climb and get something that nobody else wanted. But it was my treasure. And I wore those sneakers for about two years. I know giving back to the community and also talking about someone's trash is another man's treasure. And I know you've had a deep commitment to the Salvation Army and 53 families. Could you tell us a little bit about why giving back is so important to you? Yeah, I say I'm self-made, but nobody's self-made. Everybody has somebody that pours into them, whether it's a fourth grade teacher who took the time to take you home and you never seen a man care for another child. You know, whether you go to a university and you're 
culturally unaware of different cultures or the ability to give back. And you meet a professor who, who has a class who teaches you about the importance of community, you know, or, or whether it's a coach that takes a little bit more time to make sure you get to play. I think that our world will evolve, like I said, with communication, but it'll also evolve with touch, like people reaching out to help each other. So that's what the focus of my foundation is. It's really just meant to reach out and help people that some people may view as unseen, the unseen, the unheard, you know, focusing on the youth, you know, and really focusing on the parents, you know, the parents that have fought their whole life and never heard for once this good job, like you're doing a good job, you know? So I think everybody needs a pat on the back. Everybody needs touch and everybody needs some motivation. And really that's the focus. And I'm honored, man, for our big key event. We started off with 53 people, not even 53 families that we serve chicken nuggets and fries to out of the Salvation Army <laughs> storage room. But it was great. You know, we had a bunch of people show up. And now this year, we're going to have 5,300 people that will serve in an armory and we'll serve everybody full Thanksgiving meals, send everybody home with all the Thanksgiving trimmings, turkeys, even down to accessories on a table with a tablecloth to make sure that everybody can break bread together and be thankful for the people that you have around you. Can you tell us a little bit why the Salvation Army and also why the number 53? Yeah, so the number 53, because it was my jersey number, and why the Salvation Army? Because a few years of my life, the Salvation Army took me in. You know, the Salvation Army took me and my family in, and I knew when I got to any point in life, any point where I could help, I was going to help, you know, and it was something that I was going to put back into the Salvation Army because every time I see a donut, I can see, I can taste the free donuts that I had in the Salvation Army, you know, so I remember those things and I wanted to make sure that I always got back and it wasn't about when I got to a certain level in the NFL, it was as soon as I got out of school that I wanted to go right and help and do something to the people that gave back to me. I like how you gave back. Do you have kids? Are they interested in playing football or boxing? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a really good question. <laughs> I'm going to let my son do whatever he wants. I'm going to let him do whatever he wants, and I hope that he enjoys it. But I'm just, I'm going to try to help him to understand that if you want something, you got to work hard for it. But the first sport he does is going to be boxing. I'm just, his mom doesn't agree, but that's going to be it. He likes it. He got curly hair. I got to make sure he's good. Do you currently coach any young football team in your community? Yeah, no, I, I don't coach per se, but I do reach back to a lot of teams, a lot of leagues. You know, we do a lot of uh, donating, but not just financially. I donate my time too, and I have a good partnership with a good bit of high schools out here where we really just try to uh, just give advice. The best thing you can give somebody is advice and words of encouragement. So, Jonathan, I got a question for you. Who's your favorite football team? The Rams. The Rams. Okay, okay. So were you always a Rams fan or was it the Super Bowl that made you a Rams fan? The Super Bowl. Hey, look, I appreciate your honesty. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to ask you, what type of student are you? Are you like an A, B student? Are you a C student? What you got? B student. You a B student. Man, we got to change those Bs and the A's, man. Right? Yes. All right, so what's your favorite subject? Because I, I know specifically when I was in eighth grade, I know what my favorite subject was. Science. I love that. We need more scientists in the world. What's your favorite subject? My favorite subject was history. I had a, a teacher, 
by the name of Mr. Bradford, rest in peace. He was just an amazing professor. He was an amazing teacher, man. He really invested in me. He loved football, but he also, he knew I had more potential. Sometimes I was a little bit of a slacker in high school. Who would have thought? Sometimes I was, but I was. And he would always whip me back into shape, man. And when he, um, when he died, I, his wife reached out to me and I was fortunate enough to actually speak at his funeral. So that, that really just showed our relationship that we had. So say that to say, man, sometimes we have great teachers and professors, like hold on to them and never let them go. What advice you can give me about high school? Advice I could give you about high school. Huh? Enjoy yourself, but don't enjoy yourself too much. You know, uh, enjoy, enjoy the journey, make mistakes because being young is about making mistakes, but make mistakes that you can recover from. That's, that's going to be the difficult balance in itself. And also, what else? If you got to follow people to do it, it's probably something you shouldn't do. Thank you. So, Jamil, for a lot of our kids, they believe that the only pathway is to actually just play a sport, and that's the only path to college. And I know that your path has taken you into business. You started your own business. If you could talk about that, as well as your role at the Ravens now, I think it's important for kids to hear about all of the opportunities that are out there because only X amount of kids actually make it to the level that, you know, that you're at. Yeah, for sure. I've always believed in hard work, you know, and I think I shared earlier what what my goal was of Syracuse. It was really to get that degree and I got it. It was the thing that I wanted. You know, the NFL really just became second to me. It was something that, okay, I'm good enough to do this. Let's do it. You know, it became that. But um, yeah, I've always been a worker. I've always been a creator. I've always had a creative spirit. So, you know, when I told you about those 11 months that I had off, when I had those 11 months off from football, technically, although I was training this entire time, I really started settling my mind in more business opportunities. I went to franchising conferences. I probably went to about three of them. I started understanding more about what creating LLCs looked like for me, what was going to be my next entrepreneurial experience. You know, I had a financial advisor when I came in, when I first came into the NFL and we created a pyramid and it had three tiers, like just setting up one part, we would just set up our finances. The second part, we would really start diving into the market. And then the top part was really about being the owner, like being your own boss. That pyramid was my playbook. So you imagine I created my life, my playbook on life. I created it my rookie year in the NFL. You know, I created my other playbook on life when I was in your grade, Jonathan, when I was in eighth grade. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do this to make my way to get up to this goal. And mind you, the goal was to graduate from a good university, but the goal changed. So once again, in that pyramid, we figured by the time I got injured, we were really at that point. So I've already been investing in real estate at that point. I probably had about six properties throughout the Philadelphia area. So then we really started thinking about the business. And then I was fortunate to go into a gym by the name of Retrofit. You know, I ended up owning a franchise. So I learned about franchise and went into that. And once I learned about franchising, I said, I was like, okay, now I know a little bit more. Now I need to create my own businesses. So I created a beauty spot, Selfish Beauty, along with my partners that are my friends. We do it together as a family. So we have Selfish Beauty, um, Retro Fitness. I had the opportunity to get into nightclubs. I owned the nightclub in Philadelphia, historic nightclub. Added more real estate onto my portfolio. Also created an amazing restaurant concept in Baltimore that we're looking to expand called Black Swan, which is great. And I'm honored to be a part of that. 
Also recently just had the opportunity to invest into another restaurant group by the name of Medium Rare. And then while doing all of those things, I also am the director of player engagement for the Baltimore Ravens. And basically what that entails is I help players transition into the NFL smoothly and help them transition out smoothly. In the middle of all of that, I help them think about life. You know, I help them think about the things that the NFL bubble sometimes doesn't provide you the opportunity to do. So making sure guys are taking advantage of all of the resources that are available for them to be great. You know, not just on the field, but off the field, because, you know, the person feeds the field. The field doesn't feed the person, if that makes any sense. So and also adding more things onto my plate, unfortunately. So I barely get any time off. It's cool. Jamil, on our show, we ask all our guests the same question. Knowing what you know now in your life, what advice would you give to your 13-year-old self? Man, that's a good one. Continue to be curious. Continue to be curious. Continue to be fearless. And know that every dark time has a light. That's awesome. Jamil, I can't thank you enough. Jonathan, thank you for co-hosting today. It's just been an thank honor you. and a privilege. So thank you. Jonathan, you're the man. Thank you're you. the man, Jonathan. I dropped a lot of dimes today and I know you were locked into it, but I really appreciate all of your questions. I obviously appreciate all of your hard work that you're doing at school. And then I told you the thing that I said to my 13 year old self, I was actually saying it to you, man. Continue to be curious. Continue to be fearless. Thank you. All right, y'all have a great one. Thanks for listening to Formative, a production of New York Edge. I'm your host, Rachel Gastic. My co-host today was Jonathan from PS46M in Manhattan. He was assisted by Deshauna Dawson. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. This episode was produced by David Hoffman and Tasha Lemley. Post-production by Alex Brower. Original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Thanks to the whole team here at New York Edge for making this series possible. Never miss an episode of Formative by subscribing to the series at newyorkedge.org formative or wherever you get your podcasts.